I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Tales of Glory. Today we're doing another uh, laid-back fireside chat episode where I just discuss things off the cuff, so I spare you guys some PowerPoints today. Yay! Sometimes I do have PowerPoints, but you know, even for fireside chats, but this one I think we'll just talk off the cuff. And the discussion today is deliverance with children. And I had a good friend of mine who sent me a request today. She's getting a lot of requests how to do deliverance with children and what is some tips she can do. I already know she's an experienced deliverance minister. So this is going out to you. I'm just going to try to speak off the top of my head just to do a download for you guys. Let me pull up the question here. It was off Facebook and I'll read it directly to you guys. So the question was, I would like more info on dealing with children and deliverance exorcisms, DID. I have several people reaching out to me but I'm not quite sure how to tackle it in a way the children can understand what is happening. I have people reaching out to me for kids about as young as 8 years old and 4 to 16. Okay, for 8 kids. I have people reaching out to me for 8 kids as young as 4 to 16. I think the younger ones had some abuse and trauma as well. Okay, this is how I could tell this is a more mature deliverance minister because they didn't go off and start doing the DIDs. Or excuse me, DIDs is what I wanted to look after. Um, they didn't start going off doing the deliverance stuff first. And how do you do it? Um, the most important thing about working with kids, I know that the individual asked me this, she's experienced and she knows it too. So we're kind of on the same page is why I can just shoot off the cuff. I'm speaking to her, but if I can glean off more information, other people asking the same question, help them out as well along the way. So what do we do? I get this a lot too. Like I help my, the first thing that usually shows up is in the form of, um, some sort of sleep deprivation or sleep paralysis. I had a family I was working with recently, too, and um, one of the youngest daughters was having sleep paralysis. And, of course, deliverance minister at church immediately jumped to, it's demonic, it's demonic. Not everything is demonic, guys. We're in a world with the demonic where exist. We're also in a world that's decaying, and the, the enemy comes to seek, kill, and destroy, right? And sleep's one of those things they come after to destroy with. So... Usually the very first thing that comes after is either nightmares or sleep deprivation or sleep paralysis, what we're looking at here. And how do you analyze this? How do you go about it? Especially with young children. When I go about working with young children, my first thing is I'm going out there as an evangelist to help them. They're young kids, and I don't want to scare the wits out of them about Christianity. You know, if we start doing this Bob Larson show, Las Vegas show, I call him, on children is just going to freak them out about their faith and about going towards anything spiritual. And the next thing you know, when they grow up, they have a new age person, right? Or going to paganism because they were freaked out by what happened. A lot of times the kids don't need to be freaked out. And that's the kind of things we're going to talk about here. When working with children, especially if they're raised in a Christian environment and this information wasn't put upon them, they already have some discernment already building up in them. I don't care how young they are. Sometimes they have some discernment. Like, they'll tell you, like, I see some guys standing over there. Well, tell me about that person, you know? That's kind of the way I ask it. Well, tell me about it. What do you see? And I want to see if they have discernment and they can see things. A lot of times, the parents take it too far, and they go, oh, that's Mr. Happy. I'm going to say what? Oh, we named him Mr. Happy. So you named something you're not even sure is a spirit yet. You gave it a name, right? And that's one way to allow the demonic to come in by a fumble and let something manifest that's not there or not, not real, or a fear to develop in the child that's not real. So don't assign it a name 
is because a child says they see something. We don't know if we're dealing with their faculty development because their imagination is their imagination saying, you know, they have, they have a high level imagination bigger than their parents. So they have all these pretend friends, right? Well, who's your other friend? My other friend's a dragon. Okay. <gasps> That's Satan. Well, no, you know, I know it's not a train my dragon type thing, right? Where it's like, it's just a total make-believe pet or something. Or well, that dragon's bad. You know, it's just, it could be part of their imagination. And we have to lean towards that angle first that something's bringing their imagination. They're talking about it. So they're vividly imaginative because they're young children. And we can't go off the deep end and assume what they're telling us is immediately something spiritual. We have to look for other indicators that it takes time. You must let the story surface on its own. And that's what I do with children. Because I'm not after any story. I'm after trying to help them and give them the tools they need for what they're experiencing. If it's an overwrought imagination, then deal with an overwrought imagination. Like, okay, well, if the dragon scares you, you know, don't, don't play with it that much, you know? And like, well, he's my friend. Okay, I understand it's an imaginary friend. But if he scares you, you know, just have another friend to go play with or something, you know? I was a kid that was, had a very um, rot imagination. I had a sci-fi imagination, right? It was all about Star Trek and everything else. It wouldn't be dragons. It wouldn't be something else. It's just I had very intense imagination when I was a kid. I, I lived a lot on the swing, you know, flying spaceships and fighters off a swing set when I was a kid. I had a high imagination. And it's just part of that development as a child where it becomes very real to us. But we must understand to learn how to separate it, too, in a healthy manner. What's real and what's not. I knew my imagination wasn't real, but it was a very great form of entertainment to me because I was an introvert. I wasn't an extrovert. I was an introvert. I like to invent my own realities. I like to invent my own friends. I knew they weren't real, but I had a better time in my imagination than I did with some of the kids who were bullies around the block and stuff or just didn't treat me right. So... Again, just like you're working with an adult, do not jump immediately towards this demonic. If your kid's levitating off the bed, whoops, okay, can't pass that one up. That's demonic. So number one, is, are we dealing with an overwrought imagination? And Christian parents don't feed the imagination because you don't understand it at your level and give these things names because that's how you let a spirit seep in that wasn't there. You're giving it a name, you're giving it power. And now it can come in through something that was just imagination and something that was just innocent, and now you're giving it power for the demonic to leak in. So parents, beware. Christian parents do a lot. That's like the charismatics. Oh my God, just talk to somebody imaginary. You know, that's by design we do that. That's part of our creative process. We were designed to be little creators with Jesus, right? So we have an imagination. We can create worlds. We can create stuff in our minds. That's how we develop writers, artists, painters, right? So don't go off the deep end if... It's the imagination. Now, sleep deprivation. Let's look at sleep first. Because the number one times the issues come up is with sleep. Some sort of sleep deprivation, nightmares coming in. Somebody comes in at night and bothers me. Okay. Take it with a grain of salt. Because I lived through hauntings as a child. That's how I got where I am now. There literally were hauntings going on that nobody else in the house was experiencing. I tell you again, my mom thought she was psychic. She was doing psychic stuff. When she was conjuring, I was picking up on it. Of course, the uh, <laughs> you get these boobs on TV shows. Well, Mike had a gift. He must have had a gift to be psychic and see other worlds. Yeah, I had a gift. It came from the Holy Spirit. It was called a gift of discernment. Okay, I had it very early on. It comes. It was born. It was developed in the womb. It, it turned on. So yeah, I was seeing this not because oh he's a he's a psychic. Nothing to do with psychics. I had to repent to that. Um, shut that stuff down because my mom taught me it was no no. It was because the hardware the Holy Spirit instilled in me. I was able to see this stuff and feel this stuff. And a lot of times, 
there was a balance in what was happening. I was able to spear, experience, because Jesus wanted me to go into warfare, I experienced something weird and bad. I also experienced stuff that was good. I know I experienced um, some stuff way back when I shared in one of my other uh, fireside chats about the, the supernatural, the, the discernment, the gift of the supernatural or something. I talked about when I was in fourth grade in catechism class. We went to a, a church in Washington, D.C. It was one of the national capitals, like St. Joseph or something, for the Catholics. And I experienced a full-on presence of, the, of Jesus Christ in the church. Didn't see it, but I felt his presence so powerful. I walked away changed. I thought back then it was an angel I felt. You know, here you are, like, you know, this stuff's not even on your radar when you're like 10 years old. And that's how God instills in you that as I experienced in the hauntings, Jesus let me know his presence was real, far more powerful, and I could feel it flow through me that was far more powerful than what I was seeing or feeling back at home. So we have to be careful if the Holy Spirit is developing a gift of discernment, we have to work with him. The Holy Spirit doesn't usually frighten the child out of their wits. So if something's there to attack, we must deal with it. Again, we're not there yet. So question number one, are we dealing with a gift of discernment? It's in children. Usually they know, they just don't know what to call it. When I work with anywhere from young children all the way through young adults, I've, I've just had conversations. So there's a couple of places to start. Why is there sleep deprivation? Check it out with a doctor. Is there something going on? What's going on with the dreams? Help the child to understand if something's coming in their dreams and scaring them, the wits out of them, train them to fight in their dreams. That's what I learned as a child, very young on, that I could take these things out. And you have to teach your child that. You know, they want to come sleep in your bed. It's like, no, I'm going to walk you back to your bedroom. And next time that thing comes in your sleep, I want you to beat it up. You know, your superheroes now turn into Thor, turn into the Incredible Hulk. That's what I've done a couple times in mine too. When a demon shows up, you just Hulk out and beat the snot out of them. Because in the spirit realm, when you're dragged into a spirit realm, it's called being accessed. They are trying to scare the wits out of you, but you're no longer your body, but your brain thinks it's in a body. Make that connection. That's what I learned. If I'm no longer my body, I can fly. I can fling things. I could do all sorts of things because my body's back in bed somewhere, right? We don't encourage this. It's being, we're being accessed by something demonic. They instilled this, right? They pulled us out. So it's not like, oh, we're doing transcendental meditation or we're doing this sort of stuff. That's not what we're doing here. If we were pulled out and the Holy Spirit's with us, we're allowed to fight because he is now training us. Teach the child, you know, take a shovel with you, bang the monster over the head, then bury it. You know, that sort of stuff. When my boys were young, we were going through this, and I was being raised up for spiritual warfare in my late 40s. I finally woke up to this. We did have activity at my house. What we did back then is we bought these long Nerf swords, and we call them Swords of the Spirit. And we wrote spiritual warfare scripture on the Nerf swords and placed them underneath their beds. And it seemed to have stopped a lot of the activity because if something demonic came into the room, it felt the scripture written on the swords. We, we prayed over the swords. And we told the children, if you woke up in the middle of the night, grab the sword, right? Fight it. The kids don't know any difference. Kids have imagination, right? Got a sword, back off. I'll whack you with it. it has just as much power because scripture's written all over it. That was one of the things we helped build our children up through nighttime so they wouldn't come sleep in our beds, right? We taught them to fight. And as we taught them to fight, we, thought their, we found that their spiritual dreams enhanced, and they were able to give us warning dreams. 
about spiritual activity going on, or they were able to give us spiritual discernment dreams, or prophetic dreams are coming in too, because they learned to stay asleep and not be afraid, and it kept them out of our beds. It's very important. That's a sleep deprivation. The other thing too is, I don't do the deliverance on children with sleep deprivation right away. And the latter years, years of it's gone, I would either work with the parents or show up late at night after the kids went to sleep and go in with the parents and pray over the children quietly if we knew it was something demonic, if something demonic was attached. In the authority of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave. You know, it's very quiet. You don't want to wake the child up. You don't want to freak them out and see if there's any response and breathing or anything like that. It's very quiet. You don't mess with the child. It's like, command you to go. You're done here, and you bless the room. Walk through it. I, you know, I bless the windows. Only the light of Jesus Christ comes through. We bind darkness from entering. Anoint it with holy oil. I've talked about that before. Kind of like we, um, the way I anoint windows and door frames, the same as they did in Exodus. I do a, a take a virgin olive oil and just do a cross on the top of the door frame, and just do the swipes on the side of the um, door frames like they did in Exodus for Passover. I do closets too because closets are portals. Believe it or not, Monsters Inc. was true. Don't tell your kids that. So many times when I walk through rooms, like sometimes I go, they'll call me over with the kids at school or a friend's house. I'll walk through room and feel it because I can discern after being through hauntings where they come through. And I've sat in closets like a bear and saying, don't you dare use this for a portal anymore. Don't you dare come through here. I close this down, the authority of Jesus Christ. You're never to use this skin. I don't care what you are. You can feel some nasty stuff was in there, right? I command you to go in Jesus' name. Then I anoint the door frames and the portals, and you never return. You never come back here. You're forbidden. The authority of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess, and you guys know your scripture, that you're bound by the authority of Jesus Christ. And a lot of times that would clear things up for them. And that's ways of doing it without having the children present or waking them up. Now, what do we do if stuff persists? A lot of times people bring me young kids because they're adopting children there's foster kids or something, and there's been stuff done to them. Um, I've encountered children who've had ritual abuse. I've encountered children who had horrific sexual abuse by their foster fathers. Um, I had one individual I worked with when she was in her teens. She had hundreds of personalities, and it was because her dad, foster dad raped her every night. And in turn, it came out through court. She grabbed a DNA sample from him one night when he slipped up, took him to court, and put him away for 200 years. He ain't coming back. He was a monster. But uh, it's stuff like that they work with. And she was in her teens, about 18, and she had over 200 identities in her. That's DID. That's not demonic. Okay, there can be some demonic stuff there, but we flush it out because it just, it just creeps in. And it's not something you have to do deliverance with. And anytime you determine there's some sort of dissociation, immediately back off on deliverance. And you'll know when it's necessary. Stick to healing the dissociative identities. With children, I'll meet with them during the day, and sometimes it makes one or two sessions. I won't even start in some of the topics right away. And like, I'll ask them, hey, what are you doing here? And they'll try to tell my mommy says, you know, because I'm not sleeping. Well, tell me a little bit about that. But I won't press further into them what they're willing to talk about. And then sometimes, you know, I'll just listen to Jesus, and I'll go, hey, Jesus, I'm talking to Jesus right now. He says you're an artist. He goes, yeah, I like to draw. Oh, what do you like to draw? You know, find out about who they are synchronize with the child and let them open up to you. You may not 
get to the information on that day, and that's okay. I'm talking about like one-hour sessions, maybe, you know? And that's it. Don't exasperate them. If it's half an hour, fine. I'm a video gamer, so I hit it off with a lot of kids right now, and I just jump into video games, you know, because I'm, I'm a retro gamer. I know all sorts of weird games. I talk about the games I'm playing on right away. Oh, yeah, I'm playing that one, too. You know, and some are probably forbidden from parents. So I'm, you know, I was playing Doom for a while. I, hate I was bored out of my mind with Doom. It was a terrible game. But, you know, I'm a Steam player, so I, w I went through all the Halos that were released last summer, and I was bored. I'm still bored, so I'm on retro games now, playing Hydro Thunder on N64, right? And so I'll have these conversations with kids, especially young males. Oh, man, they open up. They're all gamers. They all are. I don't even know the game they're playing. It's like, well, tell me about that game. Oh, you know, I'll just joke. I don't like those kind of games. And like, they'll start laughing, you know? <laughs> they go, oh, great, we got an old person playing. But, you know, one of the advantages I had, too, was um, early on when I got my physics degree, I worked for Activision Video Games and I wrote games. So I'm able to share some of that information. That just unlocks the door for them to open up because, wow, this guy was a big game developer a long time ago. That's cool. Tell me, old man. You know, so just synchronize with them wherever you can. Where can you connect with them? I used to skateboard a lot, you know, out here in California, it's a lot, you know, I was skateboarding until I was 40s, my knees got messed up. Um, skateboarding, surfing, you know, how can you connect with this child? You know, it's a person in front of you. Connect with them like nothing's happening. God put a person in front of you, how do you connect with them? How do you reach them? And just let them open up, tell you about themselves, something they like doing, you know, I like drumming, you know, I like playing guitar, you know, or what do they like doing? You know, I like, like playing with dolls. Most girls I know right now don't like playing with dolls, that's a passe thing. But, you know, they're, they're into video games, too, so I get hit it off with them about video games. But wherever you can make that connection, light bulb, and just talk about something else, and feel like you've made an inroad or a synchronization with the person, the young person, whether they're four or whatever, make them feel comfortable with you. Like, wow, that guy was pretty cool. You know, he programmed video games. He liked to surf. Stuff like that. And then, you know, because usually if it's hauntings, the other bonus was, too, is like, my parents go, well, you know, they'll tell me, like, oh, I used to do um, stuff where you, you, you drive out ghosts out of haunting places. And I go, yeah, I still do that. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah, but, you know, it's just, I've, I've worked a lot of cases. Depending on how weird you want to talk about, we'll talk about it. And after a while, they'll open up and go, wow, that's pretty cool. You know, so you just want to synchronize with them first. Never mind the deliverance. Jesus got them protected. We need them to a point where they're going to open up to us what's going on. And that's how you find the DID, okay? Whether it's DID or it's haunting. Sometimes it's both, you know. I've, I've had young people come in and it's like, um, well, I can't sleep at night. Every night so something comes in and scares me. And I go, okay, well, tell me about that. And they'll say, you know, it's just these thoughts will come in and stuff and things will start happening. And they go, well, how do you know it's just not the enemy messing with you? And, you know, and one young man told me verbatim his discernment going on. He goes, well, that hairs in the back of my head start getting pringly all my body, you know, like it's just, I feel it. It comes in first and then I hear it saying stuff in my mind. Like, oh, I think we're onto something here. I think we have somebody who does have a gift of discernment, but they're also DID, right? Um, so it's just, you have to tune in to where they're at and make a relationship with the child and let them tell you their story without coercing anything because you want the truth to help them. And kind of, you know, and I found they had discernment, and I shared some of my story with them about it. And I said, this is how I pray. You know, you can't come back here anymore. This is my room. I'm not allowed in here. I forbid you. And I shared them with the story, too, how my discernment goes on now differently. When I walk into a haunting, and I determine there's something ghostly there, or non, you know, something that's a presence that doesn't belong there. It used to be when I was a child, it was like the hairs on the back of my neck would go up, and my spine would shoot with fear. Now when I walk in that place, it's the same discernment. Hairs in the back of my head shoot, you know, 
whatever you call it, the back of your neck shoot up, they go straight out like a porcupine or something. It's weird, like electrostatic, but there's no fear. There's no shot of fear. It's kind of different now, like, wow, there's no fear there. But that's the same reaction I had whenever I encountered it when I was young. So tune into how they use their discernment. Work with them on it. Okay, tell me again. Do you smell stuff? You know, everybody's different. Yeah, I smell something really bad when it happens and it smells stinky. And okay, that's your discernment going on here. So that, that's something different. Let's work with this here. And usually once the kids get a verification, there's not something wrong with them, that they're not broken in the mind, it helps them a lot to actually step into their own victory. Yeah, and then they'll come back a day or two later. Yeah, I, it, I kicked it out. I felt it like you were right. Just like what you said, I told it to leave me. Authority Jesus, get out, you know? Tell them, to, you know, dial their minds in, protect it, talk to Jesus for a while before you go to bed and say, when this thing comes in, Jesus, you and me, man, let's do this. And they have the confidence, and it develops little victories in them to move forward. That's just one of the cases if they do have discernment. Many times these kids already do, and the enemy's trying to attack it. So just wait and hear from them, because they're not really to relinquish the sex. They don't want to feel kind of weird, right? And once they got confidence, you're kind of in the level two of stuff. They'll, hey, by the way, this took like five sessions from this one kid. Finally released it to me, like, oh, okay, all right. So you have to be very patient. Don't worry about having the answer right away. Just worry about developing their confidence. They keep sharing the story with you on what exactly is going on. Because many times they'll do their own deliverance. They'll kick it out. Once they understand they have, they have authority in Jesus Christ, they'll kick it out. Now, what do we do when something is really going on here, right? So many times we tell us dissociation. They come out of a foster home. They, they um, adopted from somewhere in India or Cambodia. They're going to have DID. They're going to, and don't immediately assume it's demonic, and we have, oh my god, there's attachment issues, and there's demons. So forget the demons. Once they get saved, I've seen this so many times, like in orphanages, the demons go away. They have to go away, but the DID still there needs healing. And every time I mention DID in any training I've been to, it's been like a red flag. Christians don't want to hear it. Until I get midway through it, and they're asleep in it, and I talk about some of the behaviors, and also they perk up, go, hey, my daughter's doing that. I know, you're asleep there about the first hour of this. I'm trying to tell you guys, this is more prominent than deliverance. We need to be aware of how to help these children and be a community for them to help them in their healing. That's the big thing about it. How do we provide an environment that's safe for their healing? Because these guys are damaged very badly. A lot of it's attachment issues. So is it DID? Is there attachment because we adopted some child and they're, they're kind of freaking out? And how old are they, four? If they're between four and six, there's attachment issues and somebody else is calling it demonic. Don't listen to him about the demonic right now unless it's a manifestation. And you can tell it's a manifestation. A lot of times there's a word called triggering where a person switches in another personality and a person goes, oh, that's demonic, their face changed. No, it's a triggering. They switched into another personality to whatever's going on to be a presenter for that situation. You must be aware of that. So if you see, see triggering and you figure out the triggering, you know, just, just try it. Okay, what's going on here? That person triggers. There's going to be a control part. There's a lot of parts inside. It's going to be more than two. If there's, they're coming from an orphanage overseas or something, or coming from a traumatic family, there's going to be 10 to 1,000 different identities, depending on the... Uh, and I'm not talking about ritual abuse. Ritual abuse will be thousands, okay, and multiple systems. But with uh, DID, there'll be probably one system, maybe two, depending on how bad the, the abuse was. And you'll have to move through those and help those parts heal. And I was saying, too, if it's attachment issues with a child between four to six, hold the child in your arms, and they were never given proper nursing or proper um, eye-to-eye contact and connection with, between mom and baby. 
If they're between the ages of four and six, hold them in your arms like they're a baby because they'll let you do it, right? The kids will let you hold them like that and make eye contact like a mommy would cooing the baby. And just don't overload them, but do it as you would do with your own child. Look at the baby and then look away, right? And they'll, if they start looking away, you look away, right? Don't overload them. And if they want to look back, then you look back, right? It's a synchronization. That's an attachment. That's how we're doing motherly attachment to children who are detached between the ages of four and six. And sometimes you can mimic the breastfeeding by handing them, making sure they're not diabetic or something first, by handing them like Hershey's Kisses because of like the chocolate and the milk, right? There's an association there that you start retraining attachment, but you'll become the, if you're the foster mom, you can become the attached mother, right? And bring attached healings through that. And it's, it's not something exercise. Looks, we'll do our attachment exercises every night, you know, do six reps, six sets of these. That's not how it is. It's very synchronized and very natural. It flows in and out, okay? And you don't have to do it many times. Just after a while, you see the child starts getting, you know, attaching to you as mom. That's one of the ways we can do it, especially if you had a, a, a child that, that was abused or always came out of a drug house where the mom was never attached to the child. That's one way you can make a healthy attachment to your child, kind of like going backwards or, you know, redoing the time dial backwards to where they were supposed to be attaching to mom through breastfeeding or through, um, you know, things like that. Proper motherly attachment. That's for foster children, you know, stuff like that. So if we're moving along through that, there's attachment issues, and we don't know the depth of their trauma. We don't know what they saw. We don't know what happened. The one foster gal I was talking about, she was taken to the house where her mom did drugs, and she was passed around at the age of four by other drug members who had sex with her. So mom didn't even know, but this came out through working with the DID parts. So we have to be slow and careful of what's going on here and make sure we're working with the right thing where there's no hurry for healing. They'll get ahead of the healing. And parents get frustrated. I've had a lot of parents get frustrated like, oh, why is this taking so long? Why aren't they fixed yet? You know, it's, 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 it took a long time to do this to them. It's going to take a long time to walk out. It takes years, years. Um, it just is what it is. So if we've established and identified DID, right, it's just, it's just there's some sort of trauma there, and they'll tell you about it. And a lot of times, too, and I'm going to say this because my show, if at a very young age you're showing signs of homosexuality, probably something happened through trauma that did this to them, and that's a part that came up to protect them, okay? It's an opposite sex part that comes up protects them to get them through the raping that was going on to them. So a lot of times we have Associated um, identity survivors who have homosexual parts in them. It's just what it is because they went through the sexual abuse. And that's the part that came up to protect them, the opposite sex part, protect them during the abuse while it was going on. So that happens too. So, what do we do now if we establish it is something demonic? We're at the far end of the scale and just, okay, the kid's levitating or doing something crazy, you know? It's or, you know, talking weird languages or something, we're down the road now, right? Or has knowledge beyond their years of something strange, or they could tell you about stuff you did, they, there's no way of knowing they, they knew you did it. We're really worried something with something demonic. And that's why we just bring them in. Like I said, always keep it gentle. You know, I'm going to pray in, in Jesus' name. You know, and just have mom and dad there. And if mom and dad are too much for them, maybe mom and dad need to step outside. Usually, like, a lot of times, too, let me rewind here a second. When I get the child and I work with them, I usually work with the child on my own with mom and dad not in the office because I want to hear the story. And they will tell you the story. They're not, they're not going to exaggerate and tell you something wild. I have yet to hear anything 
bad news about mom or dad. Bad, mom and dad were frustrated when this stuff was going on. And so if I get them alone and I synchronize with them, they go, okay, it's a safe adult. And they'll start downloading information to me. And that's what you want to provide, just a safe environment to get the story. And usually by then, if there's something demonic, you'll know right away. And by demonic, I mean it's something, demonic is something rare. It's down the road. Unless you live in an environment or area that's full of demonic activity and witchcraft, then, you know, it's quite possible. But usually a child does weird things like coming to my office, because we pray up our office, right? Our, our office is Holy Spirit-filled. We need to, because I work with um, ritual abuse survivors, so it's Holy Spirit-filled. If a child has something demonic in them, they don't want to even enter the office. They stay out in the hallway. I go, what's going on? I can't come in there. You know, it's not a fear. It's just something, something staring back at you. I'm not going in there. Go, oh, hello. You know, and I'll try to bring the little kid back up. Hey, get down on your knees, look at the eye. Hey, how's it going? You okay? Can we just go in the office a second? And they'll shake their head no. I know what I'm talking about. No, it's very safe. You know, I'm safe in there too. And get them to come in. And a lot of times by the time I get in the office, all hell will break loose with the child with something demonic there. By that, I mean, you know, the demon's talking. It's just coming up, and it's not something from the child. Remain calm for the child. Talk to the child. Say, everything's okay. And I bind the demon to shut up. I'm not talking to you right now. I'm talking to the child, and I command the demon to go down. And look at the child. Are you okay? Because you want to maintain that calmness that you know exactly what's going on, because you do, because the Holy Spirit's going to deliver this child, right? You don't want to put on the Bob Larson show. Come out! Come out in the name of Jesus! And you, you just... You know, look for scriptures too, you know. Just say, you know, Jesus says, you're going to come out. The authority of Jesus Christ, you're coming out of this child. I command you to tell me, in Jesus' name, how did you get in? Right? And she could say it was an imaginary friend. You know, it was an imaginary friend, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, okay. what's a friend's name? You know, that's you'll start another fight too. The authority of Jesus Christ, tell me your friend's name. And then just give the child a rest. Break, are you okay? You doing okay? Yeah, we're doing fine. And let's talk about different subjects. And you go, okay, after a while, are you ready to try a little bit more? It doesn't have to come out in one setting. We just start, start working on figuring out what's going on and be gentle with the child. Remember, you don't want to scare them out of their faith or their Christianity. You're the one that's showing them faith and power you're walking in. You're trying to raise them up. And I give them tips too, just like they're adults and how to fight these things. A lot of times the kids run off with it better than adults do, right? Like Jesus said, come to me like a child. A child, you know, when I took children on the streets. They did deliverances and exorcisms far easier and quicker than an adult could. And it was just, I was mind-boggling oh, up to wait the age of young teens. These guys just go at it with an exorcism or something on the streets. Very gentle, very like, because they, they knew who Jesus was. I had the adults do it, and they'd freak out, their jaw open, they'd run their way down the street. Oh my God, was that a demon? Was that a demon? So a lot of times the kids gets what's going on. So I want you just to treat them where they're at and just give them the backbone and strength they need. Like, you can do this. You're like, you are now their sensei, right? That's like I joke with them. I'm not your sensei. I'm not going to fight this for you, but I fought these things. I'm going to teach you how to fight it. And now you're in uh, Mike's dojo, right? And you're in Jesus' dojo right now. Jesus, your sensei, he's going to teach you how to fight. And when they see these things coming after me, I don't even blink. And a lot of times I'll laugh at them, which is bad. And like, it's just, oh, this is ridiculous, right? And the person comes like, okay, Mike's not afraid of this thing. I don't know. This is like a low-level demon. You know, it's like, you ever watch those old, um, they don't get it sometimes, but I, I tell them the story about here in San Francisco, there's a haunted Toys R Us. And went back when they, we had a Toys R Us, and it, there was a demon in there that moved toys around. And I tell the child, child, they go, you know, how low of a demon do you have to be to spend your eternity to Toys R Us moving toys around, right? And you're stuck there. And Toys R Us even went out of business. They start laughing, they get it, right? And I go, this is the sort of demons we're dealing with. This guy's one step above being stuck at Toys R Us, and they'll get it. So I try to make it lighthearted for them and to build them up in their strength 
because the parents are probably petrified. Oh my God, it's a demon, right? But I don't want them to do that. I want them to be warriors and they walk out. So it's kind of like coaching. If you ever coach before, you got to build this child's strength. You're coaching him, Jesus or sensei, and walk him out in the spiritual fight. So my advice right now to this whole thing is coach them from, you know, step A, step B, step C. Synchronize with them. Become their friend like you're the coach, right? And they see that you care for them and you care for what happens to them. And little by little, and I water down some of the stories so I don't scare them, that I've been through this and this is what happened to me and this is what I did. And a lot of times they smirk or laugh because they can see in my eyes I'm explaining something that they've been through, that I know they've been through, but they haven't told me yet. And they go, oh yeah, this happened with, you know, see, see, that's what I'm talking about, see? And you just want to build them up because these little warriors are going to be raised up, right? It's, the enemy knows we're an end times church. If he could squash these kids, hurt them young, He's hurt them as 30-year-olds, and that's not what we want. We want them warriors between teens all the way to 30s, right, and beyond. We don't want them broken. So we're going to heal them as we go along. DIG is just patience, right? And it's just, it could be anything. It may not even be demonic. Maybe dad comes home, dad had a bad father when he was growing up, and so now he's mimicking his dad yelling at his kid, and the kid's starting to fracture from it, right? Dad doesn't love me, and things like that. And that, we've seen that happen, too. And it's not demonic. It's just we have to work with dad, and dad's are very eager, like, oh my God, I didn't realize what's happening. So we got to um, help restructure dad's way and way he disciplines. So, in a nutshell, you've become a family therapist. You're no, that's why I say throw deliverance out the window. You're now a family therapist. You're a crime scene investigator. What is going on here? And you have to piece it together from the different stories the family members have given you. And if you know the child's being straight up with you, you have a good roadmap about what's going on. And if there is something demonic, like I said, crayons are the best tools. Like, you know, if it's scary, you know, whatever's going on, you don't want to tell me about it, here's some crayons. Can you, can you draw me a picture of your bedroom? Right? There's a scary guy standing in the corner. Well, that's interesting. Okay. You know, and there's anything specific you can see about him without asking a child. Many times drawings will tell you a lot. And if they dissociate, they'll dissociate into a child part that will tell you a lot. Usually there's an informer person, a person that gives you news and reports stuff. If that part comes up, you know it's association, but you also know they might be reporting something and help reinforce those parts that are listening, okay? They're going to be frightened little parts. You could be talking to a 10-year-old and a 4-year-old dissociated part comes up. You could be talking to an 18-year-old and a 4-year-old part or a 2-year-old part comes up. If you're talking to an 18-year-old and an infant part comes up, you may have stumbled into ritual abuse, okay? it's like, oh, God, I got ritual abuse. Good. No, it's just walk it out with them. Whoever's coming up, you work with whoever comes up and work with Jesus to heal them. You evangelize that part when they come up. You know, and like, oh, who am I talking to today? Oh, I'm such and such. And they go, is it okay if we talk with Jesus? No, I don't like that man. Why don't you like that man? Well, he did stuff to me. Again, there's something borderline that may have been ritual abuse there, but not an indicator of it. Okay, um, maybe they're just afraid of the way Jesus looks or something. Maybe the, you know, something else showed up that scared him and looked like Jesus. We don't know. So that's not an indicator. It's just a, a, a one litmus test out of thousands, right? Okay, if you don't want to talk to Jesus, how about a lion? Did you know the lion is God? Or how about the lamb? Usually children like the lamb. Four and under like to go talk to the lamb. And a little bit older teen girls, sometimes if they've been molested or something by a man, they like the lion. He's safe for them. In fact, my um, woman I co-pastor with, she has an awesome picture 
of a lion in her, her counseling office is gorgeous. It's a black and white photo of a huge lion. But, you know, it's something that, like I said, when we deal with ritual abuse survivors, sometimes Jesus will trigger them. But nobody seems to be triggered by the lion, right? It's very safe. Again, the Catholics don't use the image of the lion, which is where a lot of the satanic images come from, was a um, Catholic Bible. So we're farther down the road. There's so many different images Jesus will show up as where he finds are safe and he'll let them use it that the Satanists can't use them all. And he'll restore the images. But like I said, the whole idea here is to evangelize the part that's in front of you. Can you see the lion? Yeah, he's scary. But you know, it's okay if you go talk to the lion. He's going to protect you and he's on a search and rescue to help you. You, Oh, he's here to rescue me? Yeah, you don't have to hide anymore. He's here because he knows you're hiding. You don't have to hide. He's going to walk you out. Really? I don't have to hide? See, get the vocabulary down. I just told you guys. Usually parts are hiding when something, there's some sort of abuse, right? That's where they, they um, compartmentalize and hide hid their parts into. Let the lion walk them out for healing. And they'll say, is it okay if I just sit with the lion instead of going? Oh, absolutely. Sit with the lion. You could go through several sessions, like maybe five, six, ten, but it's sitting with the lion and all of a sudden they're just gone. Or in that same session, they go, you know what? I'm going to go with the lion because he's safe and he's hugging me. I'm loving him. And he's, he's just, I feel so safe with him. And okay, go with the lion. And that's kind of how an integration happens there. So we kind of covered a lot here. Does that make sense? There's a whole spectrum, whether it's DID or demonic. And either way, you kind of treat it the same. Respect the child. Respect their innocence. Don't scare the wits out of them. You don't need to put on a show. You already have the overwhelming firepower from the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. So you don't have to do the Bob Larson Las Vegas show. Come out! Come out! You know, you just keep it calm. Are you okay? You still with me here? Yeah? Okay, I'm going to try to see if we can let Jesus back in. Can Jesus come in? Oh, okay. Can you see Jesus? Sometimes I teach these kids contemplation prayer. I have a book, um, Guide to Meditation. It's an out-of-print book by a Catholic nun. Awesome book. So I can teach these kids um, meditative prayer, you know, how to meditate on Jesus, because that's something we teach them early on. Apparently, youth pastors don't teach contemplation. That is a big thing, you know, big, big red flag. You know, youth pastors, it's great to have, a, you know, vacation Bible school. It's, it's great to have frozen turkey bowling, but you're there to teach them about Jesus. And the young people who have made radical changes in their dissociations and healings are the young people who had awesome youth ministers who knew how to visualize Jesus, pray to Jesus, go to Jesus, and talk to Jesus. This is huge. And it comes in now, too, because I'm dealing with young kids, too, as a sidebar, of uh, young men in their early teens who have porn addictions. And w once I taught them how to do contemplation prayer and stuff, it's helped them, right? And so it's important in all aspects to teach these kids. And you as a minister, or you have a young kid in front of you, always make sure they learn how to pray. That's step number one. If they can't visualize Jesus, show them. I usually have a little um, flashcard. I have a painting. Let me see if I can grab it here. Hold on. I have this painting in my office. I call it Surfer Jesus, right? It looks like Surfer Jesus, right? It's very safe for children, but I also carry that card. And I bought a bunch of um, small little wallet-sized cards for kids because we teach them to contemplate on Jesus there if they can't do it. Initial contemplation, look at Jesus' face, and I'll bring him into your imagination, right? And I have those little, little wallet-sized cards I give out to kids, too. And adults. Everybody comes by. I'm surprised some pastors don't know how to do contemplative prayer. It's amazing, right? Um, so I'm working with broken pastors all the way down to the kids, right? So the key is, somebody's in front of you, young child, 
teach in the beginnings of prayer if they haven't learned already. Sometimes they know it, which is great, and you're off and running. Like, oh, here's what we do. All right, visualize Jesus. And if it's a memory, it keeps surfacing, too. It's DID. I've had this happen, too. Um, one kid had DID, and he used to roughhouse with his sister a lot. And one time he roughhoused too hard, and you hurt her. And this thought kept triggering. Satan kept triggering this thought over and over in his mind. And so we visualized Jesus, and we triggered the thought manually, and had him, the part that was doing this, go to Jesus and say, it's okay, that thought's been over with the past 15 years. This hasn't happened in 15 years. It's safe. And we healed the memory, and this kid was able to move on. So there's a lot here. It's not just demons. Look at where the enemy has come in and tried to hurt them. Many times, too, is if there is a gift of discernment, they can hear the enemy. We can all hear the enemy. We're afraid to talk about voices in church, right? Oh my God, he hears voices. Well, we all do. For the love of Jesus, we all do. Especially if you're in spiritual warfare. You see how many times God, God's warning, like, incoming, here it comes. You hear those thoughts come in, like, go kill yourself. You're going, what? Why, why would I kill myself? It's ridiculous. But, you know, for a child, too, you know, like a child's working on his bike. I don't think they work on their bike anymore. And they're, they're, they're spinning the spokes on the wheel. Stick your finger in the spokes. That's a demonic, demonic voice coming in to tell them to do something to harm themselves. And we all get it. And once I teach these kids which voices they are and how to tune in, they're able to fight them. And we found out a lot of times, too, working with young men, that the porn addiction comes in through demonic voices. Go look at porn. And we taught how to intercept it and fight it. It's not 100% because we're fallen men, and Satan knows how to push our buttons. But it's, it's stuff like this. It's little tools. Little tools to help these kids bring them along. And once they get them in place, they, they can run better as adults and fight these things as adults because the attacks always look the same, but they're different, right? Now it's a drug addiction. Or now it's like, go cheat on your wife. Or now it's go, you know, however the enemies come in and talk to you. It, it's the same battle, but with different, different, you know, voices coming in. And the church doesn't acknowledge voices. We acknowledge voices as demonic, only you're possessed. No, that's not true. You know? Demons always tell us to do stupid stuff, and they're trying to engage our mind and control us, right? It just, it is what it is. So, I know I rambled through this fireside chat, and I covered a lot of stuff on DID for children. But I would mainly, again, to recap, focus on, is it DID? Your primary objective, number one, is not to worry about deliverance ministry, deliverance prayer. Your primary goal right now is to synchronize with a child so they open up to you. What are you going to do? You can play games, too. I used to bring in a game of Battleship, you know? Um, something to open up with the child at their level. Draw pictures with them, whatever it is. Play video games, whatever. Synchronize with the child. Talk about video games. Talk about what they want to talk about. If you have a mutual interest, share it with them. That helps synchronize with you. And let them start opening up. Like, this person's pretty cool. I could, I could talk to this adult. They, they understand me, right? They understand what they're coming from. They understand me, you know? And just engage where they're at. That's the rule number one, synchronize. Number two is don't freak them out. Be gentle. We don't know if it's demonic. Demonic is the very end of the spectrum, unless the demonic reveals itself, and it usually will right away. And so not because uh, it comes in and says, I'm a demon, or they tell me I'm a demon, I'm going to hell. That's usually a sign of DID, right? They tell me I'm a demon, I'm going to hell. You know, or they tell me I'm going to hell, or something like that. It's just it's really rambling, weird child hears that and go, why would your child tell me they're going to hell? That's, that's demonic, but it doesn't mean they have demons or oppression. It means something demonic is messing with a child part, and that's what you want to get after. So there's a lot to this. 
maybe next time I should pull out um, the class training notes on DID and go through this, but I think there's enough information here is just don't scare the child. Work with them. Let them know you're teaching them you're a sensei. Jesus is their sensei. You are teaching them to fight. It's their fight, and they have to drive it out. You can't fight it for them. It, it's different from being a helicopter mom. Jesus will protect them. Jesus is going to raise them up. And Jesus will give them weird dreams with allowed to go into the fight palace and then just take stuff out, bad stuff out, right? I did as a kid. I went to the Thunderdome many times, man, with them, some demonic stuff and ripped them apart. And that's how Jesus trains these people and raises them up. You know, it's not like, what's that? I can't remember her name now. Kitty, what's her face? I'm sharpening my irons in heaven, second heaven. No, that's not how Jesus does it. Jesus works with these people. Pray for the Holy Spirit to reveal to them. Holy Spirit, you know, reveal the gifts to them. And Holy Spirit, which is too much of them and not from you, and it's purely demonic. We bind it and not allow it to come to this child. But anything that's trained from you, Holy Spirit, we just ask you to increase and help this child and raise them up in the way that they'll be a mighty warrior in your name. Okay? So, I hope this wasn't too much rambling because I was trying to dump it off the top of my head. But next time I'll do it more structured. Maybe I'll go through the, the training book. I know this person that asked that came out to Texas for training. Maybe we'll go through the training manual step by step and, and look at it from a child's perspective next. But let me hear feedback on this. Or throw questions at me too. Anything specific you're looking at? Because I've been through a lot and I know I dumped a lot. This was like a you ran to a fire hydrant and the water shot all over, right? I know that's what this, this fireside chat was like today. Um, basically, I came unprepared. I just got out of surgery about two weeks ago. I got a knee replacement. So I didn't know if I could sit this long for a talk, and I kind of put the other things on hold because I haven't been able to sit down and do research on the other Tales of Glory. I'm going to start getting to that. So I thought, okay, perfect time for fireside chat. Anyhow, um, my friend I sent this out to, if, let me know what I missed. Um, you just sent it to me, a, like I said, a, a DM on Facebook or something. If I missed anything, you want me to expand on any topics I missed? I know some of your story. That's why I try to cover it as best as I could and about who you're working with. But if you need more information, you know, let me know or ask me to highlight one subject and expand upon it because I covered a lot right now. I will do that for you. Or anybody else listening, let me know what you want me to expand upon on this topic because I know it's so messed up right now in deliverance and corporate deliverance. I am going through stuff right now. I'm surprised that the peasants with pitchforks and torches from the old deliverance stuff hasn't come after me. I was going through uh, stuff on heavenly courts in Psalm 82 by the late Dr. Hawkins of um, Restoration in Christ Ministries, did Satanic Ritual Abuse. And there's stuff there in Heavenly Courts, which I now know is off-kilter, because they tried to associate us being able to go into Heavenly Courts and from Psalm 82, and that, that's what, that was not about. It was about a Heavenly Council where man was not involved. It was angels only, divine spiritual beings from Michael Heiser. And they even quoted Dr. Michael Heiser, and then they went off on a tangent. But there's stuff like that, too, and I want to fully research it and present it for you guys, too. There's quite a lot of stuff here. So anyhow, I love you guys, and if you want any more information or you want me to break down the stuff into details, go to my Facebook or go to a field guide to spiritualwarfare.blogspot.com. Well, this chat will be, um, Fireside Chat will be hosted. Post your comments, and um, I'll get back to you on them. Don't be surprised if I poo-poo a lot of modern deliverance stuff. I've been through the deliverance stuff. I've been through ears and came out of it. Um, I'm down to the point now where I'm, I'm going through a lot of Dr. Michael Heiser stuff. I'm actually taking ancient Hebrew classes from him, learning how to read the Hebrew. There is some stuff that has been twisted in our Bible in the past hundred years. And it's not a new trend or something like that. It's just, I think, the, the age of Darwinism twisted our scripture and twisted our, our pastoral 
people in our seminary, where it became more man-man than less supernatural. So I'm trying to go back and glue pieces together with things. You'll find that on uh, Supernatural Through His Word, another podcast I have over on m16ministries.blogspot.com. That kind of supplements the stuff I do here. Anyhow, guys, love you guys. I hope you found a lot of information on this Fireside Chat. If you have any more future ideas of Fireside Chat or something you want me to expand upon, or yes, Mike, we want you to expand upon your class information notes on a Fireside Chat, I will do so. Hit me at a Field Guide to Spiritual Warfare on Facebook or a Field Guide to Spiritual Warfare.blogspot.com. Comments on this particular radio episode. God bless you guys. Till then. <laughs>